0: Hello and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at mediumcoolpod. Pod. That's facebook.com backslash mediumcoolpod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, we'll pop up, and at medium cool pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Also, shameless self-promotion, please. Uh, Like, follow, subscribe, you know, all the things to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. We really appreciate you uh, being involved and listening. And uh, hopefully you guys can be a part of more polls and uh, more social media things that we do. So go like those pages as well. Uh, But yeah, it's really helpful. All of that said, today we're going to uh, be talking about the new Russo Brothers movie, Uh, I said that weird, but anyways, (laughs) the new Russo Brothers movie, Cherry, which is in theaters right now, but you'll be able to watch it on Apple TV Plus come March 12th, and uh, hey, Joe and I are going to talk about it, hopefully you enjoy it. Before we get to that, uh, Joe's going to tell us a little bit about what he's seen this week. Honestly, I've watched only film noir, pretty much, except for Cherry, but then, you know, I've watched film noir from the 40s and 50s, well, from the 40s exclusively this last week, I'm actually in the middle of uh, Robert Siodmak's The Killers from 1946. Uh, I had to pause it to record this, unfortunately. I hate pausing movies when I don't have to. Unfortunately, this was a time I had to. And I'm going to tell you now, uh, that's just the the, the Killers has one of the best openings in any film noir, so when I finally do this film noir marathon series of episodes for, for the podcast here, uh, I'm gonna definitely talk about that. Definitely has to be an influence, in my mind at least, it has to be, of Jules and Vincent from Pulp Fiction. I mean, it opens with two hitmen walking into a diner, and it's just really great. Anyways... Um, Heads up, we had some technical connection, like technical difficulties a few times. I went ahead and just put some elevator music under it so you'll know when those are. You can still pick out what Joe's saying, um, but it just kind of messes up, and I thought it'd be funny if there's music. <laughs> um, uh, but, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm going to let Joe tell you about three different movies. Uh, Leading into Cherry And then we're going to enjoy that So hey, definitely sit back, relax, enjoy And like I said, hit us up Let us know what you think of this movie If you've seen it If you have not seen it yet By all means, please uh, check it out Regardless of our feelings And let us know how you feel about it You know, do you agree? Disagree? Let us know Anyways, that being said Let's go see what Joe's up to All right, Joe. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the Russo brothers' newest movie, *Cherry*. But before we get there, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, like we did last week, to just you know, can you share with our listeners anything notable that you've watched this week? Give them some stuff to look forward to or to check out if it's already available. Give us give us the deets, mm-hmm. man.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I've actually seen a couple this week. I've seen uh, I saw three movies in addition to our featured movie. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, that was kind of fun to kind of have those one. I've, I've kind of been putting in my back pocket for a while. Um, I I caught this on Amazon prime and it's called the map of tiny perfect things. And, um, it's a, it's kind of a rom-com. It's kind of a, it's sort of a groundhog day meets before sunrise with teenagers. OK. And it's, I was sitting there and I, I thought long and hard about that. Um, so it's essentially um, the Groundhog Day story. Um, there's a teenage boy um, who is our protagonist, who is reliving the same day over and over again. And, he, you know, he's when the movie starts, he's he's in the middle of it, uh, you know, and he's, he already knows what's going on. He's already, he already is now influencing things around him. He's stopping people from being pooped on by birds and he's stopping, you know, just like little general things, you know, he's like answering people's questions before they ask. Um, And he, he has this goal of getting this girl he likes to, you know, he's trying to like set up a meeting between them. And so he knows that she's going to fall into the swimming pool and so he, like, is doing all these things, this whole big, like, mousetrap type deal to to prevent this, to be the hero. And then just as that's happening, someone else swoops in, blocks him off from doing it, completely erases the whole thing, and just ca- casually walks away. Which he then finds out is another, is a girl who is also aware of her surroundings. Wow. And this leads to sort of a, a romance, quasi-romance friendship and... Um, there's a lot of it. It has to go deeper than obviously than Groundhog Day, than Palm Springs, which we saw um, earlier or last year. Um, again, same kind of idea, but they have to go a little deeper, you know. And there's there's certain little questions and um, of you know things like should we do this? Should we just let it go? Is it meant to be like this? So um, it's it's actually pretty decent kind of movie. Uh, again, derivative of those movies we've seen already has a couple of, you know, a couple of little wrinkles here and there that makes it kind of worth seeing. Um again, it's it's just kind of a fun casual thing. It's not earth shattering, especially if you're a fan of of um Groundhog Day, Palm Springs, any of those other films of of that ilk. So um I, I give it a I give it a, a modest recommendation. Go check it out if you know if you're if you're bored one day, if you feel like watching a, a breezy teen romantic comedy with a sci-fi kind of bent to it. It's uh, it's kind of fun.
0: It really does sound like you're exactly telling us to go watch Palm Springs. I won't lie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you might as well watch Palm Springs while you're at it. If you want, I'll, let's say it like this: If you watch Palm Springs and you want something to accompany it, of kind of a similar, you know, a similar thing. It's not quite quite as body or, or you know, raunchy as Palm Springs, but it's got, um, uh, you, you know, it's like I said, similar, similar. Uh, you know, larger story. So, again, worth worth checking out. Um, it's it's not going to kill you if you, if you miss it or you know stumble upon it one day. It's something if you have teenage kids or, you know, you're younger yourself, you might enjoy watching with them. Um, I could watch this with my daughter, for example. So.
0: Yeah, you know what that movie doesn't have though, Kristen Miliati. That's who it doesn't That's have. That's
1: true. <laughs> I'm just no kidding. no Simmons in this yeah. movie either.
0: So. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That's cool, man. What else do you have for us?
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, I also watched um, the Tom and Jerry film, the new Tom and Jerry that came out on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by the way, um, uh, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things was on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, but uh, yeah, Tom and Jerry was on HBO Max. Um, this is another Hanna-Barbera movie. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Scoob a few weeks back as one of my great disappointments of the year. Yep. Um, this is another one of those. Okay. <laughs> it is an abomination. <laughs> um, it is not. Okay, so so here's here's the deal of, of this movie. It's filmed in live action. Okay, so you know we have Grace Chloe Moritz, we have Michael Pena, we have Colin Jost, we have uh, a variety of other live human actors in this movie. But all of the animals are cartoons. And I don't just mean Tom and Jerry. I don't mean Spike and the couple of supporting characters from the cartoon. I mean, there are peacocks. There are elephants. There are other mice. There are other cats and dogs and birds. All of them are cartoons. And I don't know why. I, I don't get, other than the conceit that Tom and Jerry is a cartoon. Now, nobody... In the human world, acknowledges or seems to notice that they're cartoons, but they're all cartoons. I was
0: I was looking at an image uh, of of these cartoon animals. You know, I'm looking at one with the the elephants, and I was looking at a few others. And here's the downside of this: I haven't seen this again to clarify. But yeah. uh, the downside is if people complain about this because it, I see what you mean now. It it it's huh. off-putting because they look like they don't fit in the frame at all. Like they're right. not. It's not like they're. It's you know, because I was thinking in my head as you were talking, I was going to bring up something like Space Jam or or like a Roger Rabbit, right? But this isn't that way. Like this is yeah. a different thing. And um, my w- what sucks is if people don't like this and they complain about it, you're going to get one of two things. Either they've signed a check that they're just going to go through with, right, and try to get this cash Where if they make a sequel, which I mean, right. in today's you know studio system, they, they will. Have- but, like, you know, if they make a sequel, they're going to do it just because that's what they started. Or they're going to do it the other way to appeal to the audience because people hated these cartoon uh, animals yeah. in this real place. And then it's just going to make this movie completely
1: worthless. Right. Do you get what I'm which saying? It, which it is anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, there there was one moment that even made me crack a smile. It's a cameo um, from a, a famous character. Um I actually wrote a a review about this at uh, Midwest Film Journal for this week. Um, And I I did say this same cameo happens in another movie uh, that came out years ago involving live action people interacting with cartoons. Um, But that movie, that cameo and that movie is leagues better than what this is. So, you know, I don't even want to make a comparison between (laughs) them uh, because there's no contest. No. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Space Jam. Um, and then we mentioned that other movie, uh, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit and yeah. In that movie, they knew that they're interacting with cartoon characters and this one, there's no acknowledgement of that. So it, it was just weird to me. Um, not, not even hardly my biggest complaint about this movie. Um, but it was one that stood out. So I, yeah. you know, I, I kind of led with, it. but yeah. Um, uh, if, if you have kids, if you have young kids, and you feel like watching it, whatever. If you enjoy it, I'm happy for you. But um, I, uh, you know, I, I think they they can do so much more with these characters than what they have been. And um, right now, they're just kind of going the lazy route. If, if in you know, in my humble small opinion, and uh, w- I would love to see them try something a little more imaginative and and uh, you know, go go into a Hanna Barbera universe. Uh, and and kind of mind those characters, but you know whatever. Yeah, we, we're getting what we get. Well, give give us your
0: last one. You said you had three, right?
1: Yeah, the last one. Yeah, the last one I I just watched this morning, and, and uh, this is the United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, this is a, a kind of a biopic of Billie Holiday and her troubles with the federal government. Um, this th- for me this falls um, under uh, the same as Judas and the Black Messiah in that it's it's a solid movie it's it's you know it's a good movie about a a figure in uh, I hate to say black history a figure in history who is black who is has been underrepresented underrepresented in popular popular culture and it also shares the good but not quite great you know banner um, I hate to say that uh, Lee Daniels directed this. Um, who you know, who's done a bunch of stuff. He did The Butler a few years back. He did uh, Precious. Um, he so you know he's he's got some pedigree, um, and there's some good stuff in here. Andra Day plays Billie Holiday. Um, Leslie Jordan, if you know Leslie Jordan, the actor, not not uh, Tracy Morgan from Thirty Rock. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm talking about Leslie Jordan from The Help, and Will and Grace. Um, he plays a just incredibly flamboyant radio personality who was interviewing Billie Holiday as kind of the framing of the movie. It's kind of the bookend that they come back to every once in a while. But um, so it's essentially her telling her story to this radio man. And there are, it is at times absolutely heartbreaking and just a, oh, just a stark look at, you know, what black people were going through, you know, during that time, just she was essentially hounded and railroaded at every opportunity. Um, she, had, she had a very famous drug problem. You know, she had a heroin problem and they perpetually hounded her, the federal, the feds and came after her and planted drugs on her. And, and instead of getting her help, they threw her in jail. Um, And it's all essentially because of of the song that she was singing called strange fruit. Um, Now I had never heard the song strange fruit and I felt watching this movie, I felt really crappy about that. And I actually (laughs) just, um, before we started recording, I listened actually, now you can now, you know, it's, there's a performance of it during the film, um, right in the center of the film, which is, you know, incredible. But um, you know, I went and watched a recording of the real Billy holiday singing the song and my God, God, it is a powerful song. It it, it depicts um, lynchings in the south. In the south, it is an incredible song. I would I would um, encourage anybody to go. It's I mean it's it's poetry, and it's uh, and it's the song that they, uh, you know the uh, the FBI and the the federal government in in general, hounded her and hounded her trying to get her to stop singing it, because it incite it made people angry and it you know it incited race unrest and uh, she refused and so she's pursued essentially by the fbi um incessantly until um until they had something where they could actually arrest her and so it's um it's at times good um andra day is kind of wishy-washy she's good at times At other times it's kind of like eh. but um overall it's it's one of those films again i'm like you gotta go see it um you gotta make time to, to watch it it's not it's not a great film, but it's a very good one. It's one that's definitely worth seeing. But anyway, Cherry, we gotta talk about Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Holland and the Russos, come on. Yeah,
0: let's talk <laughs> about Cherry.
1: I'm 23 years old and. Sometimes I wonder if life was wasted on me. I take all the beautiful things to heart till I about die from it. Hey, I'm really happy you're here. Why is that? I like you. But there never seems to be enough times to do. You're it for me. I feel the same way. I joined the army. Why would you do that? Sometimes I feel like I've already seen everything that's gonna happen, and it's a nightmare. My one true accomplishment was not dying. Please, back up! I have this noise. In my head. It'll stop. One day it'll go quiet. I don't imagine that anyone goes in for a robbery if they're not in some kind of desperation. I've been at this a while now, and it's no secret what my face looks like.
0: Get on the ground! The one thing about robbing banks is you're mostly robbing women, so the last thing you want to be is rude, ma'am. It's nothing personal.
1: this. I love you. Can you look back to when you met the one you loved the most and remember exactly how it was? What you saw in her that made you say, yes, this is what I came here for. Sometimes I feel like I've already seen everything that's going to happen, and it's a nightmare.
0: Cherry is directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. These are the Russo brothers that brought us Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Uh, They're back with their own film this time, starring Tom Holland, Sierra Bravo, Jack Rayner. And I'll tell you what, a small role with Michael Raspoli. If anybody doesn't know who Michael Raspoli is, he was in, you know, like the Sopranos, I believe. He's like a gangster guy. Like I know him from gangster things. Um, what a delight. Anyways, it's based on a novel of the same name by Nico Walker. Why did I say that weird? Nico Walker? <laughs> Walker? Um, anyways, novel by the same name by author Nico Walker. And basically, the film is about Cherry, played by Holland, a young man who drifts from college dropout to army medic during the Iraq war in 2003. And he's anchored only by his true love, Emily, played by Bravo. But after returning from the war with PTSD, his life spirals into drugs and crime as he struggles not only to find his place in the world, but to cope with the horrors of his past. The film spotlights several important topics like love, the military's treatment of soldiers and veterans, PTSD, drug addiction, and what leads someone to crime. Unfortunately, the film is not... uh, interested or willing to tackle any of these subjects to give weight to what we spend two hours and 20 minutes watching instead it aimlessly wanders from moment to moment tone to tone issue to issue dragging us along as we try to figure out the point of it all joe there wasn't a moment i cared about anything in this movie beyond some cool looking shots which did happen multiple times i admit Uh, And in less than a handful of effective scenes and Tom Holland's performance and credit where credits due, the rest of the cast was pretty decent as well. But this spectacular now meets jarhead meets train spotting meets a bad heist movie wannabe is unfulfilling (laughs) at best. If it weren't for, you know, some of the pros I mentioned a moment ago, this would be a complete dud floating somewhere near Willie's Wonderland amidst the depths of cinema. But, fortunately Ooh. for us, it's better than that, even though it's a very low bar to meet. Joe, yeah. did you feel like this was a dud? Or should it be in the sea next to Willy's Wonderland? Or do you think I'm mistaken, and this is a gem from the directors that brought us such great
1: MCU movies? I don't know if I'd call this a gem, but I probably liked it a little bit more than you. It sounds like I liked it a bit more than you. Um, I, I kind of put this as a as a three-star movie maybe two, star, two to two to three star movie, maybe even two or three short films. But man, it's a mess. It, it still is a mess. Um, it, it does have a few lines. It has a few cool shots. Um, but it, man, it takes a long time to get where it's going. It drags out you know it there's there's a little bit of yeah you 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 gave a good you had a man your synopsis of it your your pitch of it was really great um yeah jo, I, yeah you said jarhead i might throw a full metal jacket but it, that's that's way too heavy for this dude don't dude, much don't further. even bring that into the same conversation joe <laughs> don't even invoke the name of stanley kubrick <laughs> didn't even be in the same
0: conversation right yeah, now yeah but continue no, absolutely
1: not <laughs> but but yeah it, now it it's uh, the, you know there's there's you know the some of the performances are really good. Tom Holland is really good. Sierra Bravo is really good. Um there's uh, a young man named Michael Gandolfini um who plays cousin Joe. I don't even remember who cousin Joe is in the movie to tell you the truth, but he is uh you know he's James Gandolfini's son. Um, Has it? So that's another. There's your Sopranos connection, part two, right there. Yep. Uh, But yeah, there. You know, there's. It it breaks the. So the book. I, I'm assuming the book was in parts as they structured this movie. So,
0: like yes. here, here are, like the themes, kind of in order that we see them in the film, and I am going to be speaking vaguely about some things just because I don't want to spoil anything. We have not so far; uh, these are right. pretty obvious, pretty easy things to talk about. You, but you know, the the first thing that they tackle, and this is why I brought up the spectacular now earlier. I don't know how you feel about that movie, but I loved that movie, and um, yeah, that's good uh, movie, you know, yeah. you have like they they kind of deal with love early on, right? Uh, Cherry huh. is who he is. Um, and it starts off as this almost like pseudo love story. A- after like the the f- first bookend that that will end up being like the bookend, like the first scene that you were talking about with him mm-hmm. robbing the bank and dropping that line. We'll talk about the dialogue in a moment, but <laughs> um, but anyways, like so they deal they, they he they love is like a section of the first part of this movie. Again, it's two hours twenty minutes, so it's probably twenty minutes of it or so is dealing with him getting to know Emily. So, you know, none of the moments of love are developed, though. They're like, you know, there's nothing to really take seriously with it. It's just kind of like a fundamental. Like, it's not taken seriously, but it is a fundamental aspect of the film because we're supposed yeah. to believe in Cherry and Emily so that they're so deeply in love, like yeah. that they're like cosmically tethered to one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so they can't yeah, like escape yeah, they're one not. another. Yeah, but you yeah. but I never once really felt that because they there yeah. again we're well I'm going to use this term a lot and I have in the past weeks, development kids, development. That's what we need yeah. in most movies, development. But the one yeah. scene that I I was, you know, that I found relatively effective though in that section though was when Emily breaks down in Cherry's room, if you remember what I'm talking about. Um oh. and uh you know, it's you know, if if there were more honest moments like that, like yeah. I, I found that move moment to be a, a bit of a it felt I felt like they were about to start developing Emily. Unfortunately, I don't feel like they went much further than that. But you know, yeah. if there were more honest moments like that, maybe it would have gotten somewhere. Um mm-hmm. But also those scenes are just ruined by bad voiceover, but we'll get there in a minute. Anyways, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but like the like those that's the thing. This is fundamental. This is this is foundational. For the whole yeah. point, because the whole time Cherry is in the military, like mm-hmm. we're supposed to remember that he's missing her, but the only times that you feel like he's missing her is when he's on the phone with her. The rest of yeah. the time, he's just having a good time with the boys. So yeah. e- even yeah. that's mixed messages. What are we supposed to be thinking? Is this a love story? Which I would say, in the end, it's yes, it's about Cherry, but it's about yeah. his relationship and from his perspective about the relationship with Emily. And because uh, I mean, uh, I'll just say this very vaguely, like, what's the very last scene of the movie, Joe? Don't say right. it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, we know that that is kind of the point. So with the military and war, and I'll give you a second to respond to this here in a second, because the love thing was, <laughs> that's just kind of a, I, my whole point Bring bringing that up is because it's foundational. But the military yeah. and, like, in going through the Iraq War... You know, I don't mind the depiction of the soldiers at all because most of them are like assholes. And when I say that, I don't mean that to say like you know all soldiers are assholes or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, in this movie though, it's very clear that they're desensitized and trained to essentially be racist and hate the other, so to speak, like capital O other. Uh, Uh and you know, it also like I just don't buy that Cherry was the guy he was. Like, like a lot of war movies always have that one guy. Mm-hmm. that is like different than all of the other ones that tries to like be nice to the enemy yeah. or like the the, yeah. the civilians that are quote unquote the enemy the others so to speak and not every movie can have like a private joker from full metal jacket yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. like like you yeah, know yeah. the pacifist uh, uh, who's like anti-war but he's involved because yeah. he was drafted you know
1: <laughs> like yeah. or or pri- like private Upham from um saving private ryan jeremy davis is the one that- yeah. yeah, the one that didn't want to kill anyone. Yeah, but,
0: but these these are people who were drafted and had to go. They were too mm-hmm. afraid to go to prison. They have to be here. This right. it, th- he chose to go now for bullshit reasons yeah. maybe, but he chose to go impulsively. Right. I should say it was more of an impulsive bullshit's. Uh, yes. I guess up to the viewer. I think it was bullshit, right. but whatever. Like you, you know, it, impulsive. Uh, yeah. But I just don't. I just don't. I don't know, like that. Even that, like Cherry going to war, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that yeah. whole because it that whole thing just seemed very contrived to me, and uh-huh. the depiction of Cherry felt very inauthentic in those moments, and and seemed forced to inspire empathy, because um, yeah. all the scenes we see of him there are either just like not fitting in, going through something fucked up, or like missing his, you know, partner. And all of that's valid, but none of those also bleed together. They're like very exclusive scenes kind of taped to glued together of these Um, different things. And it just, I don't know. I'm also watching that, and there are moments where he's being like emotive in front uh of all of these like tough guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it bothers me that someone may watch that and think Tom Holland's being weak or something. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's just so fucked up. And I just don't understand why someone would want to be in his shoes. Like, I understand why people join the army. That's not for me. But I, like, understand right. why people do. But I don't understand why people want to be in war and kill people because that also exists. Um, yes. And that's, like, really fucked up. But I, I want to just – we're going to kind of compartmentalize this, if you don't mind. It, like, I think that's good with, idea. with the war stuff and the military stuff, let's just talk about kind of that chapter uh, of yeah. his life. Uh, pun uh-huh. fully intended, I guess. And um yeah well I've kind of given you my thoughts on it and it's mostly just kind of the depiction of Cherry and the depiction of uh the soldiers in the military and how I feel like he just kind of stands out and not in a good way it's kind of go home heat for me so to speak to use uh, yeah. a phrase wrong um but <laughs> what did you think of kind of the military and war side of it
1: Yeah yeah it yeah I I I mostly yeah I mostly agree with that um I, again I think I I feel like the idea of this was really good. And I feel like there are good, there are seeds here of really good things. Agreed. Um, yeah. The, you know, the, um, there, there's a scene where they have come back from, from a battle, from combat, and they're back at their base. And, and Cherry is in the shower with, with one of his, one of his other, his, his fellow soldiers. And the soldier is trying to wash blood out of his wedding ring. Yeah, and he's, say, and he's saying, "I can't get the blood out of my." It's like, and I'm like, "That's a really cool image," yes. like, And that's like the the ideas they're they're introducing there, both with Cherry, with him, with you know, with, and with others, is is very cool. But it's a moment that is just forgotten about after that, you know. Other than through through Tom Holland's character, um, I, I don't I don't believe that that character in the situation he was in, I don't buy him even signing up. Yeah. You know, like, like he didn't, he's as, as a person, as you know, he, he doesn't, he didn't at the time. And this is, you know, this is before he gets to basic. He, I, I didn't buy it. I'm like, like he he's walking into the recruiting office and I'm like, what the hell? Like, no, this is not, he's, this is not who he is. Like, he was a very soft, you know, kid, like a normal everyday kid and I, it just, it didn't, it didn't connect for me. I, I didn't believe that, you know, I, I was like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. It, so, he went
0: voluntarily, like no one yeah, pushed him. Yeah. And, and it's all predicated on the idea that Gandolfini's son, uh, Joe, I believe uh-huh. his name, was yeah. going to go to the Air Force or whatever. And their other yeah. friend, James, I believe his name was or something, uh-huh. was like, like fighting him in the car about this. That's the only time the military is brought up. So you kind of right. think that like Tom Holland's just sad and he's just like, you know, Cherry's just I meant to say Cherry, but you know, Cherry's just yeah. sad and he's just like, well, I guess I'll do what Joe did. Like that's not a good
1: reason. <laughs> like I uh, just yeah, don't yeah. believe it, you know. Yeah. And and why and why is that who he picks, right? It's like Yeah. He he realizes that um that these guys are losers, right? Like his buddies are losers and you know like we're we're a group of losers and we realize and it's like why is he why is he suddenly interested in, in you know in following his buddy?
0: Yeah. And, and
1: and and I you know, you mentioned, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but you mentioned uh James Lightfoot, who yeah. was when he came on. No, he's you know, he's a Native American character. Yeah. I thought he was cool. He was he well he was he was to an extent, but it was again it was an opportunity to kind of spotlight something, you know, the the Native American community in general and sure and you know what is going on with them, but it's very glossed over, and he and he di- just disappears for a long time, and then he comes back later on, and and then suddenly he's almost just a comedy character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that,
0: yeah. And the and it, the only reason I didn't mind the James Lightfoot uh, character is because he's not the point of the story. Yeah but, yeah. but I agree with you that something more could be done with a lot of these characters, quite frankly. Uh, but I do want to say I, because I'm gonna try to fit pros in. I actually in my notes forced in a bunch of pros because I don't want to sit here and just yeah. like bitch about the movie because there were things I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunately most of them were very exclusive moments that really yeah. don't matter. Like they don't make the film any better. But I just really liked them. So speaking of <laughs> the worst yeah, thing, things, like you know, <laughs> like I'm just gonna speak very vaguely. You'll know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. There's a moment when a truck blows up. Tom Holland begins running frantically. There's yeah. something, kind of how that scene plays out, there's something to that scene exclusively that feels very urgent. It felt like kind yeah. of authentic to me, not so much like realistic as much as just kind of authentic to that character. And and mm-hmm. to a certain extent, uh, I don't know, I just felt like it was very well done. Again, what we run into is, the problem is that the film doesn't really develop this to give any of that any kind of meaning or weight. But as an exclusive moment, that was one of those moments that kind of, like, pulled me in a bit. Only to kind yeah. of be left in the wind shortly after. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But I did that scene. And, and if you haven't seen this yet, listeners, like, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can't miss the truck blowing up. But, um that scene, I think, is pretty effective, but I also don't want to make it sound like that makes the movie better. It's just a cool scene, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I if you had more to say, go ahead, and then i'll I'll move us on
1: uh, not not on that. i was gonna I was gonna move to a a couple of things that I did enjoy uh, and and I don't want to step on your toes on it, but I don't know if you there are some little details here and there that really kind of made me laugh. Um, you know, when he, as he's first getting hooked onto drugs, you know, he's, um, he goes to a doctor and the doctor's name is Dr. Whomever. And it, it, you know, and he's not identified, like you just see his name tag or or it's like his name plate maybe on his desk or something. And it just cracked me up. And, and then, and later on, uh, again, you're, you're probably gonna say this, I'm, I'm probably jumping ahead too much. Um, oh, oh, his. Na- let's let's you know. I'll, to wrap up the the um, the military portion, the one thing that I I did note on his uniform, you know, where his name should go, it just says soldier. Yeah. And you know, and and there's again, that's a a kind of detail that that says something. There's never attention drawn to it. Yeah. But it's very visible in many shots. But again, it's not. Again, this I'm turning into a negative now. Again, it's not. The reason for that is it, it's not as it's not made as apparent as it should be, and and there's other details. I think I might I'm going to try to let you um, come at these um, a little bit yourself. But and the, these all kind of fit in the same box in, in that they don't in the end. The significance of these things are not fully explored through the rest yeah. of the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean so, you're referring to that. They do the same with banks with the bank robbery. Yes. Uh, like, there yeah. there are a bunch of those kind of, you know, just, like, shitty bank, you know, yeah. normal bank. Like, they'll have, like, these random names like that. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm sure that's one really easy way to get away from calling one just, like, Chase Bank or something and having yeah, to pay uh-huh. them money. Uh, and it's also, like, they're trying to be clever. But, like you said, it doesn't really – context makes those things meaningful. And if yeah. you don't have context, then they're meaningless and they're just, like, a cheap laugh. Uh-huh. And and for me, it just reminds me of kind of like some of the cleverness of Train Spotting, which I, is a movie I'm a big fan of, and um, and neither the drug addiction stuff is probably what people immediately think of Train Spotting because of the direct thing, but I'm thinking uh-huh. of like that Train Spotting so good at pulling off humor, drama, horror, and like character development all in one movie, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to kind of balance those and using them in different ways, and and. After I put that together with the kind of the drug addiction side of things, I started putting it together with other things, and it, yeah. just that kind of method—I um, don't know—it uh, just didn't work for me in this. I want to—I want to backtrack real quick, but then we're uh, going to get to what you were just talking about. But I'm going to kind of keep on uh, sure, yeah, yeah. some of that stuff here. I, I do. I want to—I want to jump on to the PTSD thing real quick, but before we yeah. get to what you're referring to, uh, because. You know, like I said, we start with like this kind of love story that is part of the first act, trying to get Cherry and Emily together. Then he goes off to war. Um, and we just talked about that. And he comes back because of a series of, of incidents and, and situations with PTSD. And I got to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to be as like fair as possible. Sure. Um, the film starts off... Or not, not the film, but like this part, this chapter in his life, again, pun intended. Yeah. Um, but this chapter in his life begins with him dealing with PTSD, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I just want to say, you know, PTSD is something that I've studied quite a bit with film. Because like, you know, I, one time I went to a conference and talked about uh, the effects of PTSD on Travis Bickle and, and, oh. uh, and Taxi Driver, which is something that's never stated uh, but it's, like, very clear that he deals <laughs> with Absolutely. PTSD. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've looked into all those things. PTSD is just no laughing matter here, all right? And even watching these film noirs, people have shell shock and stuff. There's one movie I just watched uh, called The Blue Dahlia where one of the characters has um, PTSD and no one knows why he's being wild. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's it's just... I don't know. Uh I just feel like using this as a plot device, which is exactly yeah. what it's used for, rather than taking it truly seriously, that really bums me out because they yeah. you know they had the opportunity to dig into this and explore it. But ultimately, all it was there for was to get from the war segments to getting him addicted to drugs because ultimately what happens is he's suffering from PTSD. He's driving Emily crazy. yeah, he gets drugs from Doctor whomever. I think they're like oxycontins or something. Yeah, he starts yeah, popping nice. them. And then he's driving like Emily so crazy, she starts taking them, which right. starts the drug, the addict, the addiction kind of chapter of the story. But what mm-hmm. sucks is the PTSD is just a device to get him addicted to drugs. And then by him yeah. getting addicted to drugs, it's a device to get her addicted to drugs. So we're yes. not dealing with PTSD and we're not dealing with drug addiction. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Uh, thoughts on yeah. that? Because we're we're getting back now to like the high stuff like what you were talking about. But I, yeah. I want to touch on this first. Like any huh? thoughts on this stuff? The PTSD used as a plot device just to get us to mm-hmm. the drug addiction.
1: Cause it lasts yeah, for what? Yeah. Like
0: they deal with it for like 10 minutes or something?
1: 15 yeah, minutes? Yeah. yeah. And and that time is it's pretty, it's pretty effective and it's while they're doing it, it's, you know, I was sitting there going, this is going to be really good. You know, like he was, he's really like, they're really digging into it and it's, and he's really, he really humanizes it a lot. You know, it's not, you know, it's not this vague, like, you know, in, in a lot of movies, like American sniper, I think is one. I actually have a a note about (laughs) that. Yeah. There's, there's like, it's like a recent where they, they kind of deal with, but, that you don't really like get inside of the head of the person experiencing it. And here for just a minute, you start to do it. And he, you know, he has this line about how there's just noises in his head that he can't control. And he's going through all this stuff. And it's not just this vague, like something's making me sad. Like it's attacking him, you know, that the PTSD yeah. is almost attacking him and it, and it's effective for that time. But then, you know, like you said, it just, goes away and next you know next thing like you said moving on drugs the drugs lead to the bank robbery and now we're doing something that's that gives us action sequences and it's like
0: uh, and and what bumps me out about that dude is like if this wasn't a movie about and i still stand by this if this was not a movie about cherry and emily which is ultimately what it is from cherry's perspective right if it wasn't a film about that you could really take the structure of full metal jacket Start, uh-huh. them, start them Start in the military. First act, 45 minutes is that. Yeah. Dealing with PTSD and drug addiction is a large uh-huh. portion of the second act. And then uh-huh. the last, like the third act is him Robin banks. Like, yeah. uh, like you could do this effectively. And because I think they're putting too much focus on each of these chapters of his life. When there's yeah. a through line to all of these and it's PTSD yeah and it's what he experienced but as soon as they're past that chapter it's all about the drugs it's all about what happens yeah. later and and it's just it's yeah. just a real bummer because like you said there are moments where and i i attribute this to tom holland's performance more so than i do the writing yes. or anything because you know when he's yeah. in bed and and emily has to wake him up because he's just like like kind of gasping and like uh i don't know like yeah. he's just moaning and like he, see, it looks like he's having a seizure or something. Like he's having this like kind of fit, and she and his eyes are open and everything. It's pretty startling, and she finally yeah. gets him woke up, and his eyes are puffy and like tears and like he, it's just a really really good performance there. Um, yeah, yeah. But again. It's, it's just that context thing. I, I've argued with my friends in the past who weren't so much f- film buffs, but like liked to go to the movies and see a lot of the tentpole pictures, or they might go see something mm-hmm. like Cherry. And, and I would argue with them because they'd be like, oh man, but like, you know, oh, they have this like stuff with PTSD and it's so riveting. And it's like, yeah. in concept, it is. Like what you're describing. Yes. But it's all about context, execution, and, de- and uh, development. And if those things don't nice. exist... Then these things are ultimately just pointless, and you're actually putting the movie together in your head. It's not giving you anything, and uh, I kind of demand more. (laughs) Like a film, if you're professionals, so do Mm -hmm. the work. And this doesn't. And like you said, man, like there's good there. Like there, there's a stint of time where it's pretty decent, but dude, Mm -hmm. the second Emily takes the first pill is when it goes yes. immediately downhill and it just it re- right. I just didn't buy it.
1: And it's yeah. I that was that was to me the least the most insincere part of the movie. She literally I mean she literally is in the midst of raging at him in a you know in a stupor and he's fucked like, up well, laying in a bathtub yeah and her her line is almost I mean this is almost a quote word for word well if you're gonna if if I've gotta deal with it I'm gonna at least enjoy it yeah and she pops the pill and like from there it's like she literally just on the spot makes the decision I'm just gonna go ahead and screw it screw my life
0: and dude I get it man I get it like I get whenever you're fed up sometimes you make impulsive decisions like that but here's the problem at the beginning of the movie she turns down some drugs I'll just say it that way Yeah, and they kind of like I, that's kind of a foreshadow by the time you get to this point. And I hope yeah. everyone listening to this understands we're saying a lot about this movie but trust yeah. me until you see it like you'll understand we're not actually spoiling anything like you kind of yeah, have to yeah. I mean, see yeah, it's this all still thing. mostly set up at this Yeah, point. this is all yeah. still a lot of setup information.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But she turns it down. There's nothing in her character that would ever tell you ever no matter how fed up she was that she yes. would do this thing. She has yes. the personality that very much would be dependent on something else. Okay? Mm-hmm. Anything else. Yeah. Alcohol? Well, I don't even buy alcohol, actually. But maybe, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she'd try to find affection elsewhere. Maybe, like, I'm trying yeah. to just think of, like, other things she could do that I would believe in her character. Not that I believe she's a cheat or anything, but, I mean... I I believe that more than I do her pop an oxy on the spot. Oh, yeah. Just don't buy it. So it really kind of just ultimately just uh, dilutes the whole effect of what had happened prior. So I can sit here and talk about those early PTSD moments fondly a little bit up until that point. Mm -hmm. But that actually ruins retroactively those moments before it. And that's that's kind of what the bummer is, because I can talk about some pros and I will uh but i don't know man that's 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 the thing so I, if you don't mind joe and we can go back to ptsd cuz these kind of interlock here but i want to say a few things about the drug addiction chapter uh in his life mm-hmm. where you know they they at times i feel like they're going for like this almost like the horrors of being uh a drug addict but then they're also going for these like disturbing humor moments right where it's like a disturbing moment, but they're like trying to get yeah. laughs out awesome. of it. I don't understand this chapter of the film <laughs> because it brought back moments right, yeah. from train spotting. Like I said, in my head where, you know, like that's one yeah. of those movies that really does <laughs> the dark humor with a really yeah. serious topic. Well, because it eventually takes it seriously and allows that to develop. But there is even, there are even, or there are even moments like in train spotting mm-hmm. where you and McGregor's character, like almost shits his pants you know what I mean <laughs> and he has to go to the famous bathroom where he gets sucked into the toilet and all that stuff in um, in train spotting uh, but like there are like little yeah. throwbacks uh-huh. to things that are kind of common with train spotting so I, I couldn't I'm not saying they're the same at all they're not but I, I just kept being pulled back to those ideas um, and they're just nowhere near as good and cherry Because *Train Spotting* was able to pull off that humor, the drama, the horror, the character development, like I mentioned before. And Cherry just does none of those things. Like I said, rather, it it just allows the addiction to simply get from point A to point B. We got to figure out how he's going to get from war to being a bank robber, basically, Uh which sounds ridiculous now that I say it out loud. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like just uh, Joe, go ahead. I feel like you want to say something real quick.
1: Yeah, they well and, and you know you mentioned that that moment in train spotting. They they steal that they steal that moment in this film. Basically. And they do it just through a there's just a, a line of dialogue, but it is completely meant almost meant as it's a, meant to be a joke line. You know, it's yeah. meant to be a it's a laugh, you know. And it's it's funny you said that because I did i you know I saw train spotting years ago. It's not one that I've watched many times, To so I didn't even remember that, but you said that and I was like Man, they they completely just steal that in this movie. Um, yeah, and and but it's yeah, you, you know, you're go ahead. You, well, honestly, you're you know, you're you're totally right about it, it's supposed to be depicting the horrors of this, but it's it's got this. I, I I kept thinking of of Tarantino. You know, this is like this is the part where we're emulating Tarantino.
0: I can see that as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, and there's there's all the jokey that you know you mentioned the. The, and I wrote. I think I got all of these. I wrote these down. Actually, the Shitty Bank. So one of the banks he robs is called Shitty Bank. One is called, which which is probably a play on Citibank. Also, yeah. Um, which is a couple of these that are kind of like plays on the names of real bank. Capitalist One is one of them. Um, bank fucks America is the other one. And it's just, you know, like those those are those are funny and witty. But again, like, what is this in service of? Is it you know, Tar- when Tarantino does this stuff, it, it's the there's a consistency in that tone throughout the movie. Consistency. And what he's saying dude. is, is not, yeah, and and it's not it's it's not unclear what he's trying to do. But here, it's almost like they're you know, like you said, they're sitting there and they're like, well, we we got to rename these banks. Well, let's just like make up some silly names for them, and yeah. or, you know, plays on the words and you know, dude, honestly, and, you know, and just be goofy honestly. with it.
0: Like what like Go here's ahead. the thing one of my pros I'll just say is the music is cool. Now let me say this though cuz this there there yes. needs to be a caveat here or like a not a caveat uh-huh. but like a, a an explanation I guess. So I think the music's really cool. And and it's it's interesting cuz some it, it's not like this jovial like happy thing to to juxtapose with like the darkness of what's going on to make it funny. It's also yeah. not super serious. It's like somewhere in between. Like it's this kind yeah. of like weird Tonal thing, and I dig it The music exclusively, I could throw that soundtrack on And be like, I'm into this This is cool But dude, it yeah. seems like that shit It'd be He'll be like going mm-hmm. through a PTSD episode Or, yeah, an episode And it's like, really serious Very clearly, it's being acted seriously People are responding to it seriously And then it yep. cut to like Emily talking about You know, shitting herself or something You know, and right. It's like the same music and 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 that's okay in theory but like what tone are you going for? Like that's one of my yeah, biggest yeah. complaints is the consi- the inconsistency of tone. I don't know what yeah. I'm supposed to be feeling here other than like <laughs> yeah. what I just naturally organically feel which is confusion and like am I supposed to laugh at this cuz homie just called someone else a cunt nugget. And It's really serious right now Am I supposed to like Is this supposed to be funny Or is this like What are you going for Russo Brothers Did you have a problem with the tone Because that was like a Probably the biggest issue I had Was like I don't know what You want me to feel here
1: Yes yeah Uh, Another line uh, um, In this on the same Along the same lines Uh, This is something else Tom Holland says in, in the voiceover being a dope fiend you can kill yourself real slowly but feel like a million bucks doing it yeah and you know and that's you know it's dark right like there's there's a nugget of insight there but and it's super dark <laughs> but again it's not given what it, what we've been shown it's not it doesn't it doesn't work <laughs> thematically yeah. like it's 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 almost like it's almost like we spend a lot of this time of the this part of the movie laughing at them. Yeah. You know, laugh po- like we're poking fun at them at this point. And it's like this dude served his country and, you know, got the crap kicked out of him and came home a different person. Like he watched his friends burned alive and, you know, he he watched them die with their blood all over him. Yeah. And I mean, it's And then we're coming back and he's, you know, he's forced he becomes addicted to drugs because no one's taking no one's helping him the people that that threw him out to the wolves are not helping him now. And he's in, he's a wreck emotional, but we're going to, but we're going to, you know, he's going to go to a shitty bank and rob it and, and, you know, and and talk about killing himself slowly, but feeling good about it. And it's like, that's not, it's, it's a disservice to him. Another person is a character. Another
0: train spotting thing, man. Like they talk about, you know, when you take that, when you take that hit every day, it feels like having 10,000 orgasms all at once or something. Like they talk about it fondly. And they talk yeah, about yeah. like they know people who have OD'd and stuff, but it's not like there's like a denial to it. It won't happen to them. Like they do it. I, I right. hate drawing comparisons because Train Spotting and Cherry are very different films. I'm not trying to like say that they are the same, but the things Cherry tries to do, Train Spotting does similarly in a vastly yeah. better way. And it would have to be mm-hmm. different. You couldn't just one for one take Train Spotting things and put them in Cherry. But my point is like yeah. learn from that shit. Because they're doing the thing yeah. you want to do, man. And like yeah, that's yeah. like, you know, I, I did that workshop for 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 the uh, for a university in California. I did a workshop about storytelling and development, right? And and one yeah. of the things I told them like every time someone would ask me about the script they're writing, I'm like, so this is my idea. What thoughts do you have? I would always give them three movies. Like as they were talking, yeah. I was taking notes. And afterwards I was like, all right, well, I one, I think you should watch this movie this movie and this movie, Uh, you know, just because it's like, this is going to be your best education. Watch how they do this. Right. And then I would give them more feedback. And I just want to do that with the Russo brothers. These dudes have done way more than I've ever done ever, Uh like more than most people have ever done. Okay. But like in this case, you needed me there to say, Hey, watch these movies apparently. Um, Uh but dude, oh my gosh. Like you keep bringing up, like, things that uh, Tom Holland says. I need to get to this next point. Uh, I'm going to, like, jump forward a bit, all right? Because the yeah. – you, you – dude, the the dialogue and voiceover, man. Uh-huh. Dude, the voiceover is really bad, I think, okay? Like, not only uh-huh. is it unnecessary, but it's also really bad. Now, I want to I wanna clarify something. I can forgive unnecessary VO, right? Like, unnecessary voiceover. I have a lot of writer friends. Austin Luger used to complain about voiceovers, if I remember correctly. My buddy Jake, who's been on the podcast, Uh he doesn't like pointless voiceovers. I think they sound awesome. I watch a lot of film noir. I watch a lot of neo-noirs. I watch a lot of biodramas. Like, a lot of those movies employ those methods, man. I love Terrence Malick and all of his, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like... um, uh i don't know why i can't think of the word but he it's like this very self-involved vi- like voiceover right and i just eat it up dude i yeah. eat it up like the best food and i think voiceover is really awesome and impactful a lot of the time and i although i understand that it's like this writing faux pas and it's used unnecessarily a lot i just am very very forgiving of it now all that little caveat there to say in Cherry, it's just laughable and not in a good way, all right? This is back to go-home heat, right? It's it's laughable yeah. and downright unbearable at times. Here are a couple of examples that I paused to write down just for you, Joe. I take yeah. all the beautiful things to heart, and then they fuck my heart until I about die from it. Now, giving you all, like, the context, there's, like, this really beautiful music. It is played out and spoken very seriously and I just, look, I just physically rolled my eyes and just put my head down. Why would you say that? Fuck my heart until I about die from it? That's fucking nice. stupid. This guy, there's another one. This guy had a face yeah. like death, and every other word out of his mouth was Joker. Why, yeah. why are you What's saying that? this? Like I get, right. I get why you say the Joker line. We can see yeah. him. And it just sounds right. so phony whenever he says these things, especially when he breaks the fourth wall, Joe. I hate those two. And yeah. I love Woody Allen's Annie Hall, and that fourth wall's broken all the time. Fourth wall breaking doesn't bother me, right. dude. It's it's wonderfully done right. in things but like High Fidelity. Not in this fucking movie <laughs> at all, dude. Right. But it doesn't just stop at these like voiceover monologues. The dialogue is just bad in general, too, usually. And the thing that really bothers me is a lot of the dialogue die hog the lot of the dialogue is trying so hard to be like profound it seems you know and it's just not so there's like there's a point where emily says uh and i quote sometimes i feel like love doesn't actually exist it's just pheromones playing tricks on people now i don't mind that line in and of itself that's fine Right. But no yeah, one's look. exploring this thing. No one's looking at this yeah. thing. It's just like a cool line. Then she like gets up and walks away. And again, it's that same music yeah. I was just talking about. It's kind of serious, like like a little lighthearted, really cool music. Love the music. But it's just like, man, that tone. Like I don't understand what you're going for with these lines. And then, you know, it comes off like this really profound statement because all dialogue stops at that point and the person just walks away. Um but it's like what's the yeah. purpose in saying these things? Like I don't understand what it's supposed to be developing. Like I understand that it works to try to drive some things Emily does later, but the way it's accomplished is so like in such a self-indulgent way. <laughs> like yeah. um I don't know, it just seems so phony to me, man. And, yeah, and not yeah. even not even and I'm going to let you comment here in a second, but I don't even have to mention this again, but also there are often moments that seem to be intended for humor. Like when uh, the guy's name, also the character is pills and Coke. That's his name. uh, And he's the drug dealer, but um, pills and Coke says cunt nugget, but those never landed with me. Like, that's not funny. They never felt part of the world. Like they always just stood out like a sore thumb to me. There was nothing developing uh. his character being that ridiculous in that way. Like it's a different ridiculous than, you know, right. Him. I'm trying, I don't want to ruin certain scenes, but he does ridiculous <laughs> things pretty much the whole time, but it's not like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's, he should be slightly more serious than he is because of his position yeah. and the people he works for and things like that, right. that are developed as very serious. Why would they even fuck with this guy that says cunt nugget? Why would you say that? Right. And then they never, it never felt a part of like the scenes. Like it always felt like when that was used, it was at the wrong time, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. don't know, man, like, it, did it you have a problem like with voiceover it, and dialogue? And you can comment on what you're about to say, but did you well, have a problem
1: with this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know it it whenever he came on screen or even during kind of during this section, it it felt like two thousand and three Ryan Reynolds suddenly is writing the screenplay. you know, and and it's just you know, it, yeah, you know, cut nugget. and at one point, Cherry uses the word profligate in voiceover. and i and I, I kind of I don't I didn't quite get the quote right, writing it down. There's this profligate confidence, and I can't even read what I said. But he he says that at one point, like like this is a quote from him, yeah, this you know this army medic college dropout soon to be drug dealing bank robber, and I'm like, what the hell does that word even mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I've been a professional writer for twenty years, and I don't know what that word means, yeah. <laughs> on top of my head yeah and and it, but it's it's it, just it feels phony is what you're getting it, at, it, but go ahead yeah, yeah it's it's very phony, and it's a you know it's it's a big word that. Someone, you know, that one of the writers knew and then they wrote it, It, it's there because that's, you know, it either, you know, it either sounds smart or it sounds clever or maybe you think it's profound and it's just all there and it's just, it's just mashed together. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it isn't, it isn't mesh at all. It doesn't work. And there, there are, as you've mentioned, there's a lot of, there are a lot of pretty shots in this movie. Um, and, you know, going back to the to the um, I think this is the basic training section, um, the, the army section. There, there's a moment where the, the film is a little washed out and it's, it's obviously cold and, and it, it's very like blue gray, except for everyone's noses and cheeks, which are all pink. And it, it's a really cool shot. And I was like, "Wow, that's kind of it. Looks really cool, but again, like, what does it mean? Yeah. Like, what is that? What is that in service of?" Yeah, well, and it's you know, well, what, it's, it, it's back, it just all goes back to that, and it's all in service of nothing. Yeah, it's all in service of the next scene well, it's, and, the, the next it's, and the next joke. You, know? you,
0: you may you may really cringe when I say this, but this is some Zack Snyder shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, Zack is yeah, no, yeah. the guy yeah, that absolutely. like does makes things look cool quote-unquote and you know they'll say cool yes. things but it's at the service of nothing I mean watch Sucker Punch like that's just yeah, a movie absolutely. to make things look cool but there's no real yeah. it doesn't serve a purpose you know yeah. and and I agree with you and and you know like th- there's a few good compositions that I, you know I'll know I'll know one right now just to kind of tag on with you is the one where Cherry and Emily are lying in bed facing away from each other um, and yeah. it's very, it's very strategically composed. Like you can tell that they like actually put a second of thought into it. But it's also just like I, I hate that I'm praising them for it because it's also just basic visual storytelling.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> like clearly, be yeah, yeah, like they're yeah. very
0: clearly like at odds and they're trying to deal with those odds so to speak right like they're working through them in that moment so they're facing away which is like a visual representation of their their kind of distance right now and and their direction that they're going in lives like and their life like totally worked for me and and I can appreciate it nonetheless but again mm-hmm. it's one exclusive moment that of evidence basically that that happens sometimes in this movie and but most of the time those don't serve a purpose and that, yeah. yeah, that that just, I don't know, man, bums me out. Yeah. The voiceover and dialogue really pissed me the fuck off, to be honest. I, like, I was watching it, and I just can't believe how many times I rolled my eyes. It was so Funny. upsetting. Um, but for, for the sake of time, I, I have two areas I want to go with you. Is that <laughs> all right? Um, so sure, sure. Uh, the, the last thing in the five kind of themes that I brought up, the first one being love, Second one being the military and, like, war. Third being PTSD. Fourth being drug addiction. We talked about all those. The fifth mm-hmm. one was, you know, what leads someone to crime? And this is also, like, a big thing. This is in, uh, like, if you watch the Netflix um, uh, documentary on cocaine, you know, uh, the one that came out this year. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it does a good job of this because it does talk about the war on drugs and all of that. But it does talk about, like, a lot of, you know, the black community that was affected by crystal meth. Like the delivery of crystal meth and the war on drugs, you know, were pushed into crime for a series of reasons. And it finally, finally, there's like a documentary on a big scale. I'm sure there are more, but this one being kind of a bigger scale is talking about how like, you know, not all criminals are just criminals because they want to be. But some people feel like they don't have another choice. And if there were other services involved you know like maybe this could be different of course choice is still involved but a lot of the services a lot of these people are left to their own devices and like again the movie has a perfect opportunity to start tackling what leads someone to crime cuz they're caught in that situation right yes. and so you know this is uh it's it's a really serious social issue that of course is huge hugely debated among you know the uh uh the two sides of the political spectrum, so to speak. But you know, why do people need to commit crimes? You know, all these things are really important. Yes, they're addicts and they wanted to score. So I understand that that's tying into the, the bank robbery stuff, you know, but how did like, how did they get here? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like I don't, I don't like development is not just saying, you know, we just spent all of our money on drugs. So we decided to rob banks. Like that's not a development that's just like you told right. us a thing again to get from point A to point B. That's kind of the whole thing, and uh, you know, dude, I just it. You know, it leads to like the crime aspect of this movie. The bank robberies are a fucking joke. Can we like yeah. uh, like some some of the scenes are kind of cool, but it yeah. doesn't. Did you feel like any of those had any weight or any any kind of real conflict? Or did they just seem like basic plot devices to explain away other things to you?
1: Yeah, no, they no, they were. Yeah, that's very much what they were. There, there's a moment where a bank teller gives him a lot more money than he had been given before, and I, at the time, I thought, and maybe this is emblematic of the movie, you know, as a whole. Um, I thought she very obviously is slipping him a die pack and he is not recognizing that, yeah. but, but we never see that happen, you know, and, and it would have been, I mean, it would have been in keeping with the, you know, with at least with the kind of the scattershot way they were, you know, bringing this section to life. Um, it would have, it would have been a could have been a funny visual. You know, if, you know, you think about other movies where that kind of stuff has happened, raising Arizona is the one that pops to mind. Yeah. Um, obviously that was done very much as a joke. But um, it, it was to me, that, that was my exact thought, because usually the, the tellers hand over, you know, there's a bunch of these. They usually hand over a modest stack of money. Right. So it's, it's a few thousand dollars, maybe. But she then brings out another larger stack of money and kind of plops it next to it.
0: And the bills are and, like you know, go from like 50s that he knew were all ones underneath to like a stack of hundreds. Yes. Yes. So it's like very clearly yes, a visual yeah. difference. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so that was exactly what my thought was, Oh, there, she's giving him a die pack. Something's going to happen. And then just nothing happens. It just moves to the next bank robbery. And I'm like, well, that was weird. And you know, I don't know if that was cut, if that was not meant to be a die pack kind of situation, but, but one thing he never did was he never had a bag to put the money in. He always just carried it with his hands. And I always thought, I thought that was bizarre. Dude, uh, you know, I'm like that, you're not counting on much money there. The
0: most, like, the most, I don't, I don't want to use the word profound because that doesn't work. But like, I feel like the best thing that he did was there was a point where, like, one of the tellers locks him in, yes. and he like goes off and starts talking about, "You're not supposed to lock me in here. I could just start shooting everybody. You're supposed to lock me right. in between the doors." And yes. I thought that was great. Like, just yeah, as yeah. like a an exclusive moment, I was like, "Oh shit." Yeah, why isn't this the whole thing? Because right. no one's done shit to you this whole time. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, I mean, honestly, well,
1: good. Well, that and that's and, and, it's, and I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about it. Because that's that's a that's a hallmark of a smart character. That that reminded me of George Clooney in Out of Sight, where he, you know he talks about how most bank robbers are stupid, and he's got the whole thing wired. And that that's a line from someone who has experience or who's put some thought into it, which his character has not done the entire movie. You not know, and I mean that's like the joke. Been,
0: that's the joke, right? Is yeah, that he never wears right. a mask and he always just gets away with it. That's like the yeah, joke.
1: Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Or he or he wears the mask and ends up pulling it down. For for some reason, or yeah, it you know it falls, or he looks up at the camera and it's like oh oh there's a camera, and but it's like too late, you already got you know. But again, yeah, he never gets has the consequence of it, and and there's just all these he makes all of those dumb mistakes like as again going back to out of sight. George Clooney said most bank robbers are fucking idiots, and like that that's a line of dialogue, and that's like that's what he is most of the movie until that moment, and if his character had been that. If there had been more thought put into it, that there could have been some I guess something interesting there. Yeah. But again, this is this is another movie that they could have made that doesn't exist because of, you know, what because of what this movie ultimately is.
0: Yeah, and what's sad is like every chapter that I've mentioned, those kind of our theme rather, fits into a chapter of his life. And he's bad at all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. he, like he's he's yeah. a he's a bad heist guy. He's a bad uh. drug addict. <laughs> like, yes. like he's. I mean, actually, that's probably the thing he's best at is right. being a drug addict. Um, uh. I mean, you know, I'm sure he was a fine, perfectly fine medic. He made it out alive and possibly mm-hmm. saved a few people. But it, you never yeah. see that. You know, you always just what? it Honestly, the only thing they show you is that he like saves a couple dummies' lives, and they're like, "Yeah, you're good." So like they never yeah. even paint him out to be like very good at it in the first place. It's mm-hmm. just not that fun watching someone be so bad at so many things. Yeah. And then that's just yeah. it. <laughs> like, like we can't, like not every movie can be uncut gems where, you yeah. know, Adam Sandler's just really bad <laughs> at gambling and he keeps doing it because that's yeah. so skillfully and masterfully done. This yeah. is just not that thing. And I'm, I'm going to say one kind of concluding statement. I want you to comment on it and say any final things you want to say. Sure, sure. But, you know, there, for example, there's a hospital sequence uh, toward the end, I'll say, uh, keeping this very vague, because I really don't want to ruin a, uh, some of right. these kind of touchstone moments here. But, yeah. you know, there's a hospital sequence in the movie that really should have a lot more weight than it does, because the scene yes. itself actually, I think, works really well. Um, yeah. But the context... Joe is all wrong. And there's a scene that follows that in a truck. I'll just say it that way. Uh And again, could be really good, great performance, but it's followed by a completely different tone. It goes from this very serious moment to something laughable. And the problem is like, none of these things mean anything without development. If you can't develop and give it proper context, none Mm. of this carries any weight. And I know I bring this up all the time. I feel like I've brought this up many, many times just this year alone. But development used to be something taken seriously. People used (laughs) to do this a lot, okay? I mean, you brought up Saving Private Ryan. That whole movie is about characters and development. That's it. Like, I mean, you know, it was done not that long ago. And even in the 2000s, you know, I feel like it was just done more often than it is now. But, you know, develop a consistent tone, develop consistent characters, and develop a fucking plot. Like that's yeah. all you have to do, and the movie will probably be a minimum of three out of five stars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Just do the basics, okay? Yeah, do something uh-huh. that we can grow with, uh, yeah. you know. But this, you know, cherry for me ends up just turning all of the pros that I've mentioned: the music, uh, Michael uh, Rispoli's Tommy. Uh, which he's in a very small scene. I think he's really funny. I believed that character of Tommy for the five minutes he's on screen. You know, mm-hmm. there are a few good visual compositions. Holland and Bravo, I think, have really good performances. Yeah. Again, ultimately amounting to nothing, unfortunately, because the pros are turned into something mediocre because the aspects of like those aspects of the film are not executed in any kind of way that can carry weight. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking container with holes in it, and you're trying to fill it up with water. You know, like, it'll fill up a bit, but it's just going to keep leaking out. Like, it's never going to get better. You have to do better. And for this being a pretty good-sized budget, it looks like, you know, it looks like a big-budget extended music video to me. Like, it kind of looks pretty decent. There's clearly a story here. uh, But it just felt to me like the Russo brothers should just go on to make music videos because... Uh, And I don't mean that as like – I'm talking like – I'm not not saying that as like a a demotion. I'm saying it as like a career change because though I do like some of those MCU things, you know, varying degrees, but I like their uh, installments in the MCU better than a lot of them. Uh, It's like either do MCU movies and music videos or just like stop or let someone else write your shit or something. I don't know, dude, because – I'm yeah, just the, really disappointed in this. Give me your thoughts, Ben.
1: Yeah, no. And again, I'm glad you brought up the hospital scene too because, and again, trying to be pur- as purposefully vague as I can be, there are characters that we are, I don't know if we're introduced to them at this point or if they may be shown up one other time, but they're really pivotal characters that have not been in this entire movie and i kind of feel like they've been alluded to a couple of times but i feel like if these characters had been around a little more the the outcome of the movie may have been quite different you Correct. know or at least at least there would be an additional layer of of something meaningful there and
0: and just to be fair though i agree with you 100% these characters yeah. do live away okay like yeah. they don't yeah. live Nearby, I'll just say it very, very right. as vague as I can. But you're right. Yeah. Like, be creative. There are ways to do this, yeah. and and part of me wonders right. if a lot of the problems with this. And I don't mean to steal your thunder here. I'll, I'll let you pick oh, no. back up. But I wonder if part of the problem is since I haven't read the book. I wonder if they were really trying hard to follow the uh, kind of structure of the book so much. Yeah. And trying to cut out all the things they can't fit in. And maybe this was one of them. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But again, if that's the case, remember source material is not your problem, man. You're making a movie. You got to make the movie good first. It's like, if you you have to change it, you got to do it. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, yeah, no, but, but you're right. That that's the kind of thing that happens a lot of times. And, and those characters could have had, you could have even explained their absence a little more, um, you know these these characters absence but you know again is what it is at this point um yeah i I agree i mean i i feel like i'm beating the horse you know after long after it's dead at this point um uh, and and i even even at the outset i kind of told you um i think i liked it a little better than you i I, maybe i quite didn't (laughs) Well, it's now funny. Our, our, I talk about it?
0: Yeah, our, our ratings. Funny enough, I'm gonna, yeah. just going to out us on Letterbox. But I, uh-huh. uh, just to make a point, you, you gave it two and a half, and I gave it a two. Yeah. I've noticed yeah. a lot of our movies are half star off. I'm always like a half star less than you <laughs> on most <laughs> right. things, where I'm just a little harsher uh, on yeah. these. But, but you're, uh-huh. you're right. Like uh, based yeah. on what we've talked about, I think we're kind of on the same page. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and even even as I as we started this, I. I I think I, I thought I liked it a little more than I did after we start talking. So um, yeah, it's, it's just not, yeah, I, you know, I, I chose infinity war and, you know, and in game the two, two Russo brothers movies as the best films of their respective years, which, you know, again, we'll get into some time, our, our disagreement around that, yeah. which we haven't, we haven't even, which is funny was we've, referred to it but we haven't actually ever talked about it even not one time but yeah I, I mean like in depth we haven't gotten into it but um yeah this is a major step down what it what it feels like to me
0: and it, you this is the opposite of what you'll hear me say most of the time but what it feels like to me is with with you know captain america winter soldier which is my favorite of the bunch personally but then That's like awesome. with with civil war infinity war and Endgame. game the studio, regardless of how well they do, I'm sure they give them quite a bit of leniency after Winter Soldier yeah. and then especially after Civil War mm-hmm. and and will continue to if they do more because Endgame was, like, huge. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like like they're going to get some room, but the studio still going to have their thumb pressing down on them. Like, the studio doesn't yeah. just let them do anything. No one gets um, just, like, carte blanche and, and like, yeah, here you go, final edit, take it. Like, Kubrick yeah. got that. You know, uh, Orson Welles got that back in the day, like, like a handful yeah. of people got it, but that's diminished dramatically. And that's like unheard of since like the fucking nineties or something, you know, right, like that yeah. just doesn't happen. So yeah, uh, like part of me is like, did the studio help with that then? Like they probably had 14 writers, only a few of them credited for all these Avengers movies and stuff.
1: Right. You know, yeah. I'm
0: sure they had a billion writers and yeah. the studios and probably I'm, I'm just sure like thumb down. Go ahead.
1: I'm sure that John Favreau, for example, who is one of the executive producers, and Kevin Feige, these, these are like the the hardcore, like the Marvel gatekeepers. Yeah. I'm sure that they had a lot to do with well, you know yeah, those it, movies. It makes Not, me, and I don't want to, and I don't want to diminish them, and and you know because I mean these, I mean to me those are legit the top four, you know those are four of the top five or six of those of the Marvel movies, and and those are sorry for me, some of my favorite movies of all time, you know, like I, I consider that the, to me, I consider that the best like franchise ever at this point of my life. And it's, you know, so I don't want to diminish that. I don't even want to disparage them, but it, it makes you wonder, you know, for sure, because, you know, when, when they're not in that environment, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been mixed at best.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a good point. It's almost like musicians, you know, yeah. uh, like when they have a producer in there that the studio assigns, <laughs> right. and th- this is for like, this is like the top guys, they probably uh-huh. get quite a bit more say. But if you just got signed for your first record on a on a bigger label, whether it be one of the big indies or like one of the smaller major labels, if you get uh-huh. signed, you're going to have a producer in there telling you what the fuck to do, like, because the studio is yes. going to make sure. This is why a lot of people who are really good on the indies, you know, get brought in and their first record... On a studio label, like on a big label or whatever, is not as good, and then later they might get a little better. Uh, a lot of times it's because someone's telling them exactly what to do because we're gonna form you into what we need you to be, or we're just not gonna push you that much, you know. And then yeah. the band's like, "Sure, I guess." Like we want you to push us, and then you do the <laughs> thing, right? And yeah. sometimes that works f- for their benefit, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and and it feels like that's kind of almost what the MCU stuff was because, man, I'll tell you what, Cherry, I bet they had a good especially coming off of Endgame a couple mm-hmm. years prior, I guarantee they had a good budget. I guarantee since this wasn't mm-hmm. just directly like a Marvel property, they were just like, "All right, cool, yeah. go make something. We'll we'll just throw it on Apple, mm-hmm. you know, Apple TV. Just make the thing." Yeah. And you know, whenever you give creative people too much money, I find that a lot of times they don't even know what to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's almost like an excuse to spend it. Uh, And you see this a lot with indie filmmakers who get a big budget, and then it just ruins them.
1: They don't know what to do
0: with it. It's almost like they have to have that limit to, like, make Mm -hmm. them more creative or something. I don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and... We're wasting time speculating on why the Russos (laughs) had a complete flopper to me. Again, Uh you know, I gave it a 2 out of 5. It's not worthless. Like Like I said, there were moments of genuine, like goodness that I really enjoyed. And I named a few, the scene in the hospital. Like I said, um, some of the PTSD scenes early on, like there are moments that are good. It's just the execution of these things in the context or lack thereof Mm -hmm. really just breaks them down to be mediocre in the end because they don't matter because they just, why do I care about what's happening? You're not giving me anything to carry with me so that I can go with you. And uh i'm i i don't know if you can tell joe but i'm just not hot on this movie
1: (laughs) yeah yeah just 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 to be clear yeah we (laughs) we we didn't love this movie you guys so yeah well Um, anyways
0: that you know this is uh the russo's uh cherry came out on apple tv plus streaming service you can watch it uh right now it's in theaters but i believe march 26th is the day it hits streaming uh so you know hey I encourage you to watch it like I do every movie. I know I didn't make a good yeah. case for you to, but hey, I want you to have your own opinion. If you agree or disagree with us, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MediumCoolPod or email us at MediumCoolPod at gmail.com. Or you can get on Twitter and you can go to at Austin Glidden or at Joe Shearer Not Wait, is that at Joe Shearer or is that at Joe Shearer 9?
1: It's Joe Shearer 9. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Twitter. yeah. Just making on Twitter. sure.
0: Uh, you know, numbers are lame. It's fine. So anyways, Joe yeah, Shearer, talk. S-H-E-A-R-E-R, Joe Shearer on uh, 9 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Hit us up, let us know why we're right or wrong, or if you're indifferent about True. it and you're just like, man, you guys talked a long time about that mediocre movie. Whatever you right. want to say, we're open to hearing about it. Hit us up. Any final thing you want to say, Joe, before we sign off?
1: You you pretty much said it all. We We can talk a long time about mediocre movies, so.
0: Oh yeah, we're really good <laughs> at that. Anyways, all right, uh we will we will let you know uh what we have for next week, but we have some stuff coming up in uh for the rest of this month that will be uh pretty fun. So we're going to let you guys know about that here soon. Joe, it's been a pleasure as always talking to you and uh let's go ahead and sign off.
1: Likewise, thank you very much. Uh hey, go go check out a movie you guys. Go t- come and tell us about it. Tell us what to watch. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to come up with something pithy and fun to say at the end here. <laughs> just just i don't know keep keep coming back keep listening to us i'm
0: just going to edit you out <laughs> hey everybody i just want every all right hold on i get a pat on the back a little bit okay i mean i mean you, you got to give me this much right last week's episode was like an hour and 10 minutes We did that on purpose. I'm working. You remember my New Year's resolution was to break these episodes, like bring them down from two and three hour long episodes to, you know, somewhere between maybe, you know, an hour and an hour and a half, hour and 15, hour and a half is like the sweet spot for me. Um, But hey, last week was an hour and 10. Our conversation on this one, at the very least, uh, was uh, brought us below an hour and a half. So that's pretty good um you know uh, I I feel like really proud about this so you know pat, pat on the back I guess I'm really working on trying to get the uh, episodes down and like I said uh, I'm planning on doing a film noir marathon kind of series I'm gonna be dropping that on Thursdays once I get through a lot of these I've only seen uh in the last week total uh I've uh, the day of this recording at least uh, I've I've watched 16 movies. Uh, and, and film noirs are really easy to get through because they're often pretty short, they're like 90 minutes. But I'm gonna do a pretty big deep dive. I'm actually working on essentially an essay uh, that uh, will do a deep dive into the film history aspect of it, why they're important, Uh, I'll talk about each film I watched, and there are 74 of them on the list right now. And when I say talk about them, I mean I'm going to give you the important, relevant information, like who directed it, who wrote it, if that's important, what books it's based off of, who were the actors, and then uh, tell you just a few things I liked about it. It's mostly going to be informative, less like, you know, a critical review. Um, but I'll be able to blow through them pretty quickly and it'd be probably, if I had to guess, five or six episodes maybe. Uh, But I'll be breaking them up into significant chunks, for example, World War II, era, and things like that. Uh, But I'll tell you more about that as I get through them. I'm still working through them. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to Joe and I like just geek out about Cherry and, and, and really dig into it and give it a lot of shit. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to let you know what's going on next week. We're trying to get a guest, so we'll see if that works out. You'll be the first to know. But until then, thank you so much. We love you. Good night. Good luck. Take it easy.